Welcome to Christ the King this morning. This is our last Sunday of Advent. So uh, we are almost to Christmas carols and the celebration of uh, the Nativity, but that will have to wait till 3.30 this afternoon with our pageant and followed by our Christmas brass. But we're still in the season of Advent, of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, a time of waiting for the Lord's return. And during our season of Advent, we've been considering characters of Christmas. Uh, the character we'll consider this morning is Joseph, Joseph the Guardian. You can follow along with me in some sermon notes, which are found in the back of your service leaflet. Joseph, the husband of Mary, Joseph, the adoptive father of Jesus Christ, he is set before us as an example for us to follow. As a matter of fact, in our, uh, we, we often, uh, in our Anglican church, we set a few people up as examples, men and women as examples to follow. And Joseph is one of those. He is memorialized by this prayer that we uh, may say on occasion. So this is, a, he's, Joseph is set apart by this prayer. O God, who from the family of thy servant David did raise up Joseph to be a guardian of thy incarnate son and the spouse of the Virgin Mary, give us grace to imitate his upright life and obedience to your commands. You see what the prayer is suggesting? Joseph, a man of obedient faith and upright life, uh, who was a guardian of thy son and a guardian of Mary. And those are two very apt descriptors of Joseph. One, he was obedient. If you picked up in our passage this morning, you heard this uh, phrase that Joseph awoke from his dream and did what the Lord commanded. That's in Matthew chapter 1, verse 24. And that, in this brief story, and this is all, by the way, all the information we have of Moses in these early chapters of Matthew, we find that phrase or the, that sentiment three times that Joseph did what he was commanded to do. Here in chapter 1, verse 24, as he took Mary to be his wife. We encounter the same phrase again in uh, chapter 2, verse 13, as Joseph is warned in a dream to flee. And then finally in chapter 2, verse 19, Joseph is warned again or told again that he may return uh, to, to Nazareth, and that's exactly what he does. His life is marked by obedience, and the result of his obedience on each occasion is protection. In the first instance, Joseph protects the reputation, the dignity of uh, his fiancée, that being, of course, Mary. The second instance is, and, and the third, he protects not only Mary, but certainly the child, and primarily the child as well. That's all we know about Joseph. He was obedient, and in, in his obedience, he was a protector, a guardian. I'm sure that many of us as children, and still perhaps some of us today, hold firefighters in high esteem because they seem to embody this noble vocation of protecting, of guarding, rushing into the buildings to protect the helpless, to save the innocent when everybody is rushing out. And therefore, I hope you find this picture, this brief portrait of Joseph, very appealing. Joseph, a guardian of the faith, a guardian of his wife, a protector of the child. It may come as a bit of surprise to you that you and I have the same noble responsibility. We, like Joseph, are called guardians. I wonder if you would, please, if you'd be willing to turn to 
a little letter in the back of your Bible. It's called 2 Timothy. I believe the page is 1154. Uh, someone can correct me if that is mistaken. I forgot to take down the page number, but I believe 1154, you will find the letter to 2 Timothy. I'm looking for a nod of affirmation. No. Maybe we have different versions of the Bible in the pew. I'm just getting some yeses and some noes. Well, Look on with your neighbor if you can't find it, but 2 Timothy. The verse I want to look at is chapter 1, verse 14. By the Holy Spirit who dwells in you, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. That good deposit is a reference to the gospel. Guard the gospel that has been entrusted to you. You and I are guardians, not guardians of the galaxy. We're guardians of something much bigger, much better. We are guardians of the gospel. Have you ever thought of yourself as a guardian, having that noble responsibility like a fireman, like a Joseph, to protect and save something that is helpless? It's a little bit of a stretch. I'll explain that later. But that is a bit of our role. We are to guard the gospel. We're to guard the gospel in two ways. First, we are to guard the gospel in its wholeness. Look at verse 13. Follow the pattern of sound words. That's how uh, the gospel is referred to sound words or wholesome words. Guard the gospel in its wholeness or in its integrity, in its soundness. Secondly, guard the gospel in its goodness. That's again verse 14. Guard the good deposit, the beautiful gospel. So we're to guard the gospel both in its soundness and in its goodness. And I want to just ponder each one of those with you this morning. Guard the gospel in, in its wholeness. Why is it necessary to guard the gospel in its soundness, in its integrity? Well, because the gospel can be easily truncated. Aspects of the gospel easily excluded. In the same letter, 2 Timothy, back up with me to verse 9. And we're going to find a wonderful summary, comprehensive summary of the gospel. And I'm going to go through this very quickly. My goal is not to uh, explore each, each factor, each facet of the gospel that I will mention, but rather to give us a sense of the comprehensiveness of the gospel. So follow along with me very quickly. Verse 9 the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling. We may ask, what does the gospel do for you and me? Well, the gospel saves us and calls us to a holy calling. Very good. You may ask next question, well, why would God do this? Why would God save us and call us? Great question. Call us to holiness. That's a great question. Why? Not because of our own works, follow along with me, but because, why? Of his own grace and his purpose, which he gave to us in Christ Jesus. Fantastic, you may think. Well, when did God decide to do this? Another good question. He planned this before the ages began and yet has now uh, been manifested to us through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. In other words, when did God plan to send his Son for us? Before the ages began. But this plan has been enacted when Christ appeared amongst us. And what did Jesus do when he appeared amongst us? How did he uh, fulfill the gospel? Well, he did so, a great question, he did so by abolishing death and bringing life and immortality to life. 
He died in our place. He abolished death. He paid for the penalty of sin, thereby canceling death, thereby canceling the payment. And he brought life and immortality to light. Again, each one of these phrases, each one of these questions is a big, broad question we could spend uh, hours contemplating, but just appreciate the comprehensiveness. What is the gospel? It saves you, calls you to holiness. Why did God do this? Not because of your good works, but because of his grace. When did he do this? Planned it in eternity, enacted it in history when he sent his son. What did Jesus do? He abolished death by dying in our place and then rose again to life, immortality, then rose again to immortal life. The what, the why, the when, the how of the gospel. Note its comprehensiveness. And this is the gospel which we must guard. Now the operative word is guard. Not figure out. Not even understand completely. I imagine as I was going through this, you thought, boy, those are really great, wonderful concepts. I'm not sure I fully grasp it in its entirety. Well, of course not. The word is guard. The admonition to guard is addressed to men and women who have understood the gospel, are tempted either by the sway of fashion or laziness to fall into beliefs that are inconsistent with the wholeness of the gospel. Right? Do you see that? The temptation from laziness or the fashion of the times to just put down what you have believed. For instance... We may think, well, God saves us, but it doesn't really matter how you live. No. Why? Because the same God who saves you also calls you to a life of holiness. We may think Jesus is just one path amongst many paths to salvation. No. Jesus is God's plan that he planned out before the ages even began. We may think it doesn't really matter if Jesus really came in the flesh as long as we kind of believe the idea. As long as we believe in the spirit of Christmas or the spirit of Easter, it doesn't really believe if he came. No. That's not the wholeness of the gospel. Why? Because Jesus appeared. He was manifest in the flesh. We may think that God could never forgive me. No. God canceled sin. He abolished death by paying for his, by canceling the, our debt through the death of his own son. We may think we can't be sure of what happens after the grave. We can't be sure of what happens in eternity. No. Jesus brought life and immortality to light. Do you see? Guard the gospel in its wholeness, in its integrity. And when we encounter our own thoughts or the fashion of the times which truncate the wholeness of the gospel, we must, like Joseph, guard and protect it. Guard the gospel in its wholeness, its soundness. Second, guard the gospel in its goodness. Again, verse 14, the good deposit. I think one of the most difficult challenges for you and me is to maintain a consistent passion over many years for the same thing, same person, same job. We all have a tendency, I believe, to allow familiarity to dull everything, to let the familiarity take the shine off even things that are extremely beautiful. John Yates uh, 
officiated, he is my mentor, the rector at a church down the road, he officiated at my marriage. And in his homily, he gave three simple words of advice. Those words were laugh, pray, and hold hands. And it's that last one, hold hands, that I want to just consider with you. Because when you hold hands, said John, you will begin to think that that hand is the hand of the person that I love, and uh, that's the person that I fell in love with, and it's the person I still hold dear, I still love today. I don't know about you, but I'm always touched when I see an older couple holding hands, an older couple that's maintained their consistent love for one another over these many years. Guard the goodness of the gospel. Maintain a consistent passion for it over these many years. So friends, let's just consider the goodness of the gospel for a moment. Remember that the salvation, God saves us. The salvation that God offers to us through the gospel is good. Freedom from sin, freedom from death, freedom from fears, freedom from tears, freedom from shame, freedom from guilt. Salvation is good. Remember that a life of holiness, a life of dignity, a life of integrity to which God calls us is good and noble. Remember the goodness of God's motivation that He does not save us nor call us because of your good works, your good grades, or your good standing, but because of His grace and His grace alone. Remember the goodness of God's wisdom who before time began, before he said, let there be light, before there was a universe, he planned to give us his son as our savior. Remember the goodness of the gospel that Jesus Christ really came to us in flesh and blood, a real human person with encountering every temptation that you and I encountered. Remember that this real person abolished death for us by borrowing death from us, dying in our place. Remember the goodness of the gospel that God did not leave his son in the grave but raised him back to life and immortality and bringing in doing so brought immortality to light, a life that we may share through him, share with him through faith in him. Hold the gospel in your heart like an old couple holds one another's hands. Remember its goodness. Take our place with noble Joseph. Guard the gospel in its wholeness. Guard the gospel in its goodness. Benjamin Franklin, after the end of the First Continental Congress, was asked by a spectator, what kind of government have you given us? Benjamin Franklin replied, a republic, if you can keep it. Meaning that the maintenance of a government for the people must be maintained by the people. It's an appropriate analogy. Regarding the gospel is a responsibility for all of us. Yet, lest we begin to overestimate our own importance in guarding the gospel, let me conclude with this final thought. While it is true that we must guard the gospel, that we may see it spoken against in danger, just as Joseph saw his child endangered, yet do not be afraid, for God will never allow the light of his gospel to be fully extinguished any more than he would let the schemes of Herod touch his son. True, he has committed his gospel to us, frail, infallible creatures, just like the Christ child was entrusted to Joseph. And we must play our part, guarding and defending the truth, just as Joseph played his part. Nevertheless, 
in entrusting the gospel to our hands, he has not taken his hands off of it. He is the final guardian, and God will preserve the truth which he has committed to the church.